Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. How do you look back to your, your proudest moments of your past and say, in those proudest moments, what were you doing? And who were the people who were benefiting from the work that you were doing? And what was the impact that you were having on their lives? Because once you have those two ingredients, who were you serving and what was the impact, you can very quickly flip that around into a simple purpose statement or even a question. Because you can say, how might I create more of this impact for these people? Because once you have a question like that, you can then apply it to your own life and say, what am I doing today that answers that question? And what am I doing today that absolutely does not? And that then raises a question of, uh, based on that, based on that, what should you start, what should you stop, and what should you continue? Uh, so for myself, I had a very similar experience of looking at, um, at the work that I've been doing and saying, what really gets me excited? When I look back on the projects that we've taken on, um, clients we've worked with, and uh, when I look at what I might want to do in the future, you have to start asking that question of, what were my proudest moments? And all of my proudest moments point to these times where it wasn't just about designing a cool solution, but it was actually working with a team or with a company and seeing a dramatic cultural change. Where you saw a different kind of conversation happening with these warm, kind companies being developed and teams being developed. And, uh, and that's what really gets me excited. And so then the question becomes, how can I do more of that? And that leads to uh, the portfolio of work that I take on these days. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. The joke that I like to tell is that if you're to read my resume, it looks like somebody went dumpster diving the shred bin at an employment agency and just taped together the scraps. Um, <laughs> I started out in college. Uh, I went to college in New York City at NYU, a tiny program there called Gallatin, which is individualized study. Study whatever the heck you want, uh, as long as you can pull a thesis together at the end. And my thesis was actually on, it was a cross between political science and a little bit of statistics and a little bit of philosophy and a little bit of religion. But it was looking at the impact of 1980s cartoon shows on the moral and political attitudes of 18 to 24 year olds around the 2000 election. Wow. It was uh, Optimus Prime and the search for a Reaganomic morality. Uh, so that, that, what the heck kind of job do you get when you <laughs> philosophy? Uh, <laughs> Uh, I actually started while I was in college working in the magazine industry where I was doing photo editing and um, serving as a photo assistant in a number of photo studios and then uh, was you sort of graduated college around the time that the dot-com bubble had burst. So there was not really a promising future for the magazine industry. Um, advertising revenue was down. Everything looked scary. 
So I looked for what else am I passionate about? Well, at the time, I actually watched a ton of C-SPAN. It's a very nerdy thing to be into, but I followed politics like most people follow sports. And so um, I was able to parlay that into a role with a company called the College Board. Um, The company owns the SAT and the AP program. And I started out there as a membership associate, both working on helping them build conferences, but also um, helping them do legislative advocacy work uh, in D.C. So pulling together blue ribbon panels of Pulitzer Prize winners and senators and congressmen and that sort of stuff to change uh, education policy. And, uh, And I loved politics until I started working with people in politics and see just how slow it is to get any kind of change happening. Um, And so I wanted to jump from there to something where I could have more direct impact. So I joined their um, marketing and branding team and led a whole series of of projects in there, everything from sort of textbooks and study guides on the editorial side to um, uh, working to rebrand the SAT, where uh, we really took the question of the question that was posed to us, which was, how can we update the look and feel of the SAT? And we did some qualitative research with students and were able to uncover that, you know what? No one cares about updating the look and feel. Anybody who's applying to college is terrified. They're full of anxiety. So the real question for us was, instead of thinking about look and feel, can we instead think about um, how can we remove anxiety from the college application process? And so uh, that approach was sort of my first introduction to formal design research and the impact of sort of human-centered design. Uh, And so that got me sort of thinking about, well, what do I want to do with my future? Um, While I was working at the College Board, I was uh, doing a lot of drawing in my spare time because I love art, and I was selling some drawings in galleries in New York. And I had friends who would have little web startups, and they would ask me to do graphic design for them or then ultimately do interaction design. And so I had this sort of design thing in my head. And so, of course, I did the logical next step, which was I went and got an MBA. (laughs) <laughs> because when you want to be a designer, yeah, go get go get a business degree. Um, but I went to I went to Stanford for for business school, which was a hugely transformative experience for me. But I went I went there largely because of the connection they have with the D School, the Hasso Plattner Institute for Design, uh-huh. which was by uh, David Kelly, IDEO's uh, founder. And um, in working there, I met or taking classes there, I met a business partner partner of mine, Emily Ma, and she and I started doing consulting projects on the side while we were in school, sort of applying business and design to the work that we were doing. And uh, we had a couple professors who loved us and wanted to keep us going in our fledgling business. And so they kept us on uh, as teaching fellows at the university um, while we were trying to build this business. And so we were rethinking how classes were taught in business schools while also working with this neuroeconomist named Baba Shiv, who was an incredible inspiration, uh, and helping him to think through how he can apply learnings from neuroscience to helping people design better products and services. And this is where I probably first got bitten by the bug to study behavioral science, which is why um, uh, I'm now known for my catchphrase around IDEO, which is studies show. I tend to quote studies freaking constantly. Um, so, so that's basically my arc through Stanford. And then at Stanford, um, Emily actually lost her visa and had to go back to Canada. And at the time, I had some friends from IDEO. Emily herself was an ex-IDEOer. And, uh, and so they just said, hey, you ever think about coming and working here? Uh-huh. And came over to IDEO. And every project I took on at IDEO was a service design project where we're thinking through how can we rethink the service experience, whether that's in call centers or airlines or sports arenas. Uh, and ultimately that leads to both designing for users 
uh, as well as designing for employees. Okay. And that's where I started getting this topic of organizational change really heavily. Okay. And that's what I anchor in now. Sorry okay. for a very long response. No, that was phenomenal. And it raises so many questions, which is, is awesome. Uh, I want to talk about NYU and that decision to go in with a major where you can kind of do whatever you want. Uh, it's so interesting that, you know, the thread that that ends with is finding purpose because, you know, it seems to me, one, at 18, to know that you wanted to do that is, is kind of amazing. Or did you? That's that's one question that comes up for me because I remember being in college and I, I remember thinking that, you know, when I look back at it, there were a handful of majors that led to a handful of jobs. And if I didn't choose from the options in front of me, I was going to be screwed. So that raises numerous questions about one, you know, having worked on education policy of all things, what do you think about our current education system? Do you think it works? How would you change it? Um, And why do you think that we can get two people who come through the same system who produce such drastically different results? And I'll, I'll mention, you know, the context for that. My sister and I both went to Berkeley. I happened to graduate around the same time you did from college. So you can imagine what that was like. Um, she became a doctor. I got fired from every job I had. <laughs> so you being somebody who has studied education policy and went in with this very unique sort of experience in college, what do you have to say about all that? Yeah, you know, it's actually, it's really interesting. So we have an entire studio within IDEO that's focused on education. It's called Design for Learning. And it's been really amazing to see some of the work that comes out there because I, I don't think anyone has an answer for how to fix the education system. There are so many issues um, that have direct impact on it. Uh, but the way, the, some of the solutions they started to look at for how do we help students not only stick through high school, but make it to college, and then once they make it to college, actually stick through college, has to do with this notion of purpose, of, of trying to figure out what gives you greater meaning in your life, and how do you stick with it. Um, IDEO, uh, sorry, Design for Learning actually built out a project called the Purpose Project, which is a free web tool for teens to use, where they can use that to uncover their own purpose and take action against it. Uh, and then we've been doing similar work, of course, with um, with IDOU and a course called the Power of Purpose. Mm-hmm. You apply this to people and teams. Um, so your your broader question: How can we help people find what they want in school? I think there's there's one thing of schools helping people see that it's not just about the grade and it's not just about the logical next step, but it's about finding the things that give you passion that will help you to tap into your energy and help you do the best work of your life. Because uh, I think that's what we all want in our jobs is something that gives us a little deeper meaning and a little deeper drive. Because I'm sure that you being fired from job after job was not because you are terrible at working, but probably because of many other factors. Uh, but if there were if there were a way of tapping into uh, if there were a way of tapping into more of what you wanted to achieve and aligning that with your business um, or with each of your jobs, there's more likelihood that you'd be successful. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I almost always think that what happens in those situations is a mismatch of talent and environment. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And I think the environment question is a really big one. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, I don't think the, the way we set up most standard things is uh, right for every single person. I feel like this is a very sort of American way of talking. So I feel bad about that. That idea is that everything needs to be customized and individualized. But I do think there's some truth to it. I think you feel more you feel more ownership over your life when you have greater levels of control, right? This comes back to Dan Pink and sort of the uh, autonomy, purpose, and mastery. Yeah. Uh, the three things people need. Uh, I think that's incredibly true, no matter whether it's education or jobs or anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, two things come from this. Uh, 
Do you think that when somebody is 18 years old, they have enough self-awareness and enough life experience to say, okay, I think I can figure out what my purpose is? Because I think the thing that also came for me from age and from experience and from input um, was a number of data points that I would have never been able to get without age and experience. Yeah, I think that's true. But I also imagine that you don't have just one purpose. You probably have a professional purpose and you've got personal purpose and you've got local purpose and community purpose and societal purpose, global purpose. All these things tend to nest. Um, I'm I'm reminded of uh, we were working on one purpose project and there was a woman that I was interviewing where we were trying to define, you know, why does the company exist and what motivates and inspires people to do their jobs? And, and I asked this woman, you know, why do you come to work every day? And she said, so that I can feed my three kids. Well, okay, there's, there's no corporate purpose that's ever going to take the place of that. So then the question is, if you're defining a team's purpose or a company's purpose, how can you find the thing that aligns with the other impact that she wants to have in her life? You're never going to replace feed my kids three times a day. Like, it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. So I want to come back to this idea of purpose and, and actually walk through sort of a, a framework for it. But uh, before we do that, I want to talk about this idea of, of human-centered design. Uh, and talk about how that applies to our lives. How do we do that with our own work as a creative person who, for example, runs a podcast, um, writes books and does all these stuff. How does that apply to me? And, and how do I actually incorporate it into my work? Yeah. I, I, you know, it's funny. I actually think there's a lot of what we do that you probably naturally integrate. Sure. Um, we mostly try and be incredibly, uh, we try and be incredibly clear about the phases that we're moving through because we find that we're more efficient in doing our work when we can operate in one way at a time. Um, but the, the biggest thing that we'd look at would be, you know, if we, if we take the design process down to its two most basic components, one is um, empathy for your users and doing user research and trying to understand what are their needs and how are you serving them. And then two is once you have some solutions and some ideas that you want to take action against, prototyping and testing those things as quickly as possible. So if we're talking about uh, the unmistakable creative, then the question would be, how can you first understand what your le- your listeners are trying to achieve by listening to the podcast and how can you design the podcast to better serve their needs uh, as well as the other ways that you're engaging them? Are you really satisfying their needs across the board? That would be one big question. And then once you have some solutions there, how can you test those out in lightweight ways? Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get to sort of this idea of purpose. Um, actually, you know what? I have to ask you one other question before we get into the notion of purpose. And this is something I read in your bio that you have a patent for uh, some sort of frozen d- uh, novelty dessert. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's kind of terrible. Uh, but this is my father being a, an incredible person. Uh, I had a whole series of ideas as a kid for things that I would just dream up, inventions and these sorts of things. And my dad was so smitten with one of the ideas that he actually went and got a uh, design patent on it. So uh, I have a patent for a product called Chili Chips, which is marrying the idea of chips and salsa with soft serve and waffle cones. (laughs) Um, It's probably the most ridiculous thing you can have a patent on. And uh, have, have, have many people tried it? Uh, it was it was active in, in a couple of restaurants in Albuquerque. I don't think that it really spread beyond there as far as I last tracked it. And I believe it's set to expire in the next year or two. Okay. Wow. All right. Yeah. Not not a wild success story, but it's always something <laughs> that I think it's kind of fun. Like, let me drop this on here because why the heck not? Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so I, I want to talk about this idea of purpose uh, in quite a bit more depth. I think that, you know, we were talking about it and you said, you know, you don't just have a purpose at work, but you have a personal one. You potentially have a corporate one. Um, one, how did you discover what yours was uh, and how do you think that ties to, to IDEO and uh, all the things that you guys do? And then I think the other question that comes from that is how do other people figure out what theirs is, uh, you know, both in a professional and a personal context? Yeah, so I think so. I think that the answer for how did I find it myself is is exactly the same way that we apply it uh, in the Power of Purpose course in the way that we do in, in our work with Idea Two, which is um, number one, how do you look back to your your proudest moments of your past and say in those proudest moments, what were you doing, and who were the people who were benefiting from the work that you were doing, and what was the impact that you were having on their lives. Because once you have those two ingredients, who are you serving and what was the impact, you can very quickly flip that around into a simple purpose statement or even a question because you can say, how might I create more of this impact for these people? Because once you have a question like that, you can then apply it to your own life and say, what am I doing today that answers that question? And what am I doing today that absolutely does not? And that then raises a question of, of based on that, based on that, what should you start, what should you stop, and what should you continue? Uh, so for myself, I had a very similar experience of looking at um, at the work that I've been doing and saying, what really gets me excited? When I look back on the projects that we've taken on, um, clients we've worked with, and uh, when I look at what I might want to do in the future, I have to start asking that question of what were my proudest moments? And all of my proudest moments point to these times where it wasn't just about designing a cool solution, but it was actually working with a team or with a company and seeing a dramatic cultural change. We saw a different kind of conversation happening with these warm, kind companies being developed and teams being developed. And, uh, and that's what really gets me excited. And so then the question becomes, how can I do more of that? And that leads to uh, the portfolio of work that I take on these days. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Hmm, okay. Um, if you were to walk me through that, what would that look like? If we were talking about this in the context of unmistakable creative? So if I were to ask you, if I were to help you try and uncover what your purpose is? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I would start very simply with um, having you pull out a piece of paper because it's very hard to sort of talk it out loud. Sure. Pull out a sheet of paper and try and jot down for yourself what are some of your proudest moments. If you were to look at your professional career and we're looking at a professional purpose, then what are your proudest moments at work? And to jot a few of those down. And then once you've done that, to then take the next step. And take a separate sheet of paper or we're addicted to post-its, use a separate post-it and, uh, and write out who was the person or the group of people that you were serving in doing that work and doing that thing. Uh-huh. Then on a third one, third sheet of paper, or a third post-it, start writing out what was the impact that you had on those people? How did they benefit from the work that you did? And that's how you get to that really simple, how might we question or the simple purpose statement which would be, I exist to create blank impact for blank people. Mm-hmm. It's poetry. It's not beautiful, but it's enough to get you there. Yeah, no doubt. Um, what What have you seen has has been the impact of organizations and, and individuals who discover this uh, in you know the people that have gone through this, both as individuals and organizations with you guys? Yeah, what, what I find is really amazing in in doing this work and talking about purpose is that it starts people having conversations they never would have had before. So two weeks ago, uh, I was in a conference room with the executive board of a, uh, of a CPG company, a packaged goods company. And, uh, they were having a conversation about removing or reducing waste in their packaging and saying, how can we make all of our packaging either recyclable or how can we strip it down to its absolute bare minimum? Because we realize that what we're doing in this company and the impact that we want to have on the world is not to create more waste and to harm the environment. And that's a conversation they never would have had 
because it has so many cost implications potentially looped up in it, conversation they never would have had if they'd not been talking about what's their purpose and how can they activate it with their people. Mm-hmm. Where have you seen this uh, applied in, in the ideal culture? And, and, you know, what does your own hiring process look like uh, in relation to this? Uh, because it, you know, I, I it always seems to me, I think I, I told my business partner once, there's probably one place on the planet where I might even consider the possibility of a job. IDEO is kind of number one on that list. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it, it pops up in so many ways inside of IDEO. I think the, the strongest way, if I look at our hiring and our recruiting, would actually be, you know, we have, we have a question for ourselves of how can we create impact through design? Or really, how can we create uh, disproportionate impact. And that's a question that we're always asking. But if, if we're to look at how does this pop up in culture more broadly, I love going back to um, the original history of IDEO, which David Kelly founded this company in the late 70s because he wanted a place where he could work every day with his friends. And so there is this, there's this question that we think about when we look at recruiting and we look at uh, people that we might hire, which, which isn't about are we looking for cultural fit, for people that we can hang out with who could be our buddies. Mm-hmm. We're actually looking at a question instead of cultural ad. What do you bring to the group that makes us all better because you're here and you're part of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, that's, and that's where we're really looking at, you know, what, what could be the disproportionate impact of bringing this new person on. And so that often is a phrase, disproportionate impact. It's a little clunky that we throw around here quite a bit and trying to think about what do we do and uh, who do we want to become. And I mean, you guys have, have brought in people from like every background imaginable. I know because we've had Eluna here as a guest. I know she used to work for you guys and um, it doesn't seem like there's any mold necessarily. Yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely true. I, you know, we look to solve, we, we find that people often get more creative when they have different sources of input. You know, there's a lot of research into creativity that finds that the act of, of coming up with new ideas is usually one of connecting disparate thoughts in your mind. And so at IDEO, what we're often doing is trying to pull together team members who have radically different backgrounds so that they can provoke each other to come up with startling new ideas. Mm-hmm. So that brings us up to hire food scientists and data scientists and material scientists and those sorts of folks, as well as you know, classic industrial designers, interaction designers, graphic designers, et cetera. Uh-huh. Um, what, what are your own day-to-day sort of creative habits and, and rituals and routines look like? And um, how does that impact your work? Is that something that's you know, part of the culture for a lot of people for you guys? What are my day-to-day habits? You know, it's funny. I don't think I have a single day that is ever the same. I, I, I doubt rarely that many people do. But uh, what are my daily habits? They start to connect with this. Um, I find that what I do more than anything else is I try and capture in every conversation that I'm in um, something in a drawing because there's something about bringing art into whatever I'm doing that both translates the conversation to something that people will remember but also helps to to anchor what we're doing and anchor the conversation on uh, a new framework or you know even just a funny cartoon uh, to help us remember what we're doing. Mm. Yeah. So one other thing that, that I want to spend uh, a bit of time talking about is this notion of creative confidence, because that's what caused me to to reach out to you guys. I mean, so many of the things in that book were it's funny because in so many ways, I felt like I was reading the trajectory of my own creative career uh, in that book. And I'm curious, one, you know, in your experience, how have you seen people build creative confidence in the environment that you guys are in in the organizations that you work with? And how does that tie to purpose? Yeah, the notion of creative confidence is actually, uh, it's, it's largely what IDEO is anchored on, and it's how we take our prototyping approach, which is you can always try anything in a safe way. 
Uh, there's always some way to test out your ideas before you fully commit. And that's, that's what helps us adopt this learning posture of saying uh, we don't need to have all the answers. We know that we can make small mistakes uh, and still find the right solution. And that's what helps us lean into challenges that we never would have thought of taking on before. Uh, so it makes us more and more audacious. We have a, a studio that was recently launched inside of Dubai that was really a question of how can we transform the, the impression of the United Arab Emirates into, um, instead of having a conversation around, say, Islam and extremism and anything else, how can we instead have a conversation around generosity? And that's a really audacious question that is amazing. And so how can we begin to lean into that? Um, the way that we do that is, is really by saying, what are the small creative steps that we can take to bring people together, or closer together? Mm-hmm. And so we try and say, how can we take always these small bets, these baby steps um, yeah. to try something out before we, before we lean into it full, full, uh, full steam. So how do other people develop that sort of capacity for experimentation and iteration? I mean, it sounds like that's a huge part of what you guys do to get to, to the results that you produce. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is just through experience. I mean, we try and create as many opportunities to, to share what we do and our approaches with the world. Um, so that's what what sparked us to found uh, IDAU, which is an uh, online learning platform for anybody to, to learn uh, how to solve problems creatively, but also led us to do things like publish um, the human-centered design toolkit, which I think is now called Design Kit, which is, a, which is free online for anybody to, to take on. Um, but we also just try and give away our methods. I and mean, we essentially give away our process and give away uh, all of our special sauce, knowing that it's, it's not about how you do it that makes IDEO special. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want more people to be empowered to take action the same way that we do. Yeah. Well, let's talk um, specifically about the course that I know you guys have coming up, uh, which is all about this idea of purpose. Um, I'd love to talk about sort of the material that's in it, uh, you know, what people can expect uh, and, you know, why you think they should take it. Yeah. So um, the course that we built out is called The Power of Purpose. And I'm a, we'll, I will give you a web plug, which is uh, it's at idou.com forward slash purpose. But the, the whole idea for the class was um, we had built out a course called Designing for Change. And this is a class that captured a lot of what our studio does in helping leaders take on massive changes in their organizations, whether you're at the senior leadership position or not. Um, But when you talk about change and you talk about new things uh, developing inside the company, there's always a question of what stays the same. And so in in that course, we talked a lot about purpose. And, uh, and so it led uh, a question of a class around purpose being our most requested course. And so we built one out with all of our, um, our playbook for how you can define purpose and not just come up with a catchy slogan, but actually make it come alive in the team that you work in, regardless or in your, for your own self, regardless of whether you have power or authority over a large group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in the class, what we're doing is walking through how do you define a purpose? How do you start to make it come to life for people? And, uh, and how, do you, how do you give them an opportunity to take control over that and make it, make it work for themselves as well? Yeah. And now, is this something that can be applied in both uh, an organizational and an individual context? Meaning, let's say somebody is like a, a freelancer or a, you know, an artist. Does it apply the same way to them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I think there's there's so much great research out there about the power of having meaning in your personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will spit some numbers at you really quickly, but my favorite my favorite factoid around purpose is that uh, there was a study done two years ago finding that 
people with a sense of meaning in, your, in their lives have a 15% lower risk of death, regardless of what age they are, whether they're in their 20s or their 50s or their 70s. Uh, if you have a sense of meaning in your life, you're at a lower risk of fatality than somebody else. Um, on top of that, we find that you know if you look at a professional context, whatever your job might be, that people with a sense of purpose are 64% more fulfilled in the jobs that they do. So it doesn't matter if your company has a purpose. If you have one for yourself, you're more likely to feel activated and engaged in what you do. Yeah. And companies and teams with purpose have a 40% higher retention rate uh, of their employees. And, and then I can go into actual revenue numbers, but I will, I will save you. <laughs> I will save you the business casing. But those are, those are my favorite numbers. So if you're looking at it doesn't matter what you do. You're an artist. You're a musician. Um, you're a, a waiter in, in a restaurant. It doesn't matter. Uh, if you can define purpose for yourself, it has transformative impact on your life. Mm. Um, I think that this will kind of bring us full circle, but uh, it doesn't sound like work is the only place where this exists. And it's not necessarily that we have to find what purpose is through work. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, there are a lot of people out there who they do their job so that they can go and do what they love. Uh-huh. Um, job is just a gateway to that. I think that's absolutely true. Now, that being said, it's never on. I don't think it's ever incumbent on any given job or leader or manager to create purpose for you. Uh-huh. Uh, often on you to try and find how do I find meaning in the work that I do. There was a, a Yale researcher um, I find very inspiring, uh, whose name I will always slaughter. So her name is uh, Amy Vyshevnevsky. Okay. So, yeah, don't try and say that one. But, uh, but Amy Vyshevnevsky is a Yale researcher who did this study with hospital workers where um, she, she was curious what keeps people engaged when they have really tough jobs. And so she thought, who has the toughest job of anybody I can imagine? And she thought, well, uh, people who are maintenance workers or janitors at hospitals. And so she went and studied them and she started asking people, you know, what do you do? What's your job? Uh, what, what actions do you take on a daily basis? And we just sort of interview people about what inspires them or motivates them to do their work. And she saw a really interesting trend. There seemed to be two groups of people that she talked to. One group were people where you say, you know, what do you do? And they would say, well, uh, you know, I come here and I fix things and I clean up really dirty messes like blood and bodily fluids and other gross stuff. And um, the other group of people that she would talk to, uh, she'd say, what do you do here? And they would say, well, I'm a healer or uh, I'm an ambassador for the hospital. And she'd say, well, you know, uh, or what, do you, what, do you, what do you do to actually make that uh, – what, what makes you an ambassador or what makes you a healer? And they would say, well, you know, when I'm working in the um, intensive care unit, I actually use gentler cleaning products because I don't want harsh chemicals and harsh smells to harm people's recoveries. Or uh, another person that she talked to um, worked in a coma ward and would switch out paintings from one patient's room to another and cycle them through so that these comatose patients would have a more stimulating environment in the hopes that that would help them recover faster. Um, so really kind of amazing stuff. And then, and then she started looking at performance metrics behind that. You know, these, these people who she called job crafters who are taking the job and making it their own and finding their own meaning in it. And she found that people who are job crafting, um, they scored eight, eight, eight points higher in terms of their overall performance, which is not a huge number, but it was enough to be statistically significant. Um, but what was more interesting was that they were three times more engaged in the work that they did. And they had half; they suffered half the risk of burnout than the average worker. 
And so there's something really amazing in there. If you can find purpose and define meaning for yourself, no matter what your job is, it can have huge benefit to your life. Yeah. So two final questions for you. Uh, has your definition of uh, purpose changed with age and, and has your definition of success changed with, with age? Hmm. That's interesting. Um, I don't think my sense of purpose has dramatically shifted uh, over the course of my career. I mean, I'm definitely not someone who at 18 knew exactly what I wanted to do. All I knew was that I needed some kind of college degree and then I would go and figure things out. And I think all I've done over the course of my career is try and figure out more and more what that is. Um, and so I think wanting to, when I was at a young age, have a general positive impact on the world was definitely part of it. But over time, that's shaped and narrowed a little bit, and I feel much more targeted and focused on what I want to do now. Mm -hmm. And what about your definition of success? Definition of success. Honestly, my definition of success is probably only exists in three-month chunks, and it's really very short-term. Am I kicking ass in the work that I'm doing? And I think that's probably my core definition of, of success right now. Um, other than that, I feel pretty pretty active and engaged in the work that I get to do, and I feel very blessed to, to be where I am. Very cool. Well, I have one last question for you, which is how we finish all of our interviews at The Unmistakable Creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? What makes something unmistakable? That makes me want to know what is mistakable thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, what makes something unmistakable? I'm sorry. I have to pause on it for a second because I'm really wrestling with the uh, so I would say the the nature of being mistakable is being something that you can either forget or ignore. So you have a question about how can how can you be stand out? And I think there's nothing there's no better way to stand out than to find where your passion lies and to make that come to life and share it with others. I find that the people who tell the best stories and the people who build the best designs at IDEO are always the people who are most engaged and excited in the work that they do. So what makes someone unmistakable, what I, I would say, is the sparkle in their eyes when they talk about what they're doing. Amazing. Well, uh, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us uh, and share your story and your insights with our listeners. This has been phenomenal, and you've packed it with a lot of nuggets. Um, where can people find out more about you, your work, and everything that you're up to? Yeah, people can check out uh, the class that we are now offering called The Power of Purpose on IDOU. It's IDOU.com forward slash purpose, or learn more about IDEO at IDEO.com. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.